This is Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 123, The Power of Your Breath, Part 1. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. I am happy to have you here. If you hear a little bit of growling in the background, it is my dog. He's not very happy. There is some renovations happening in the house next door, and he really doesn't like it. So I apologize for the low-key growling that you may hear. Now, there's a couple other things that I want to share with you before we get started. I want to make sure that you know about my free video series called The 30 Seconds to Burnout, or The 30 Second Solution to Burnout that is available. The link is in the show notes. And if you're feeling stressed or burnt out or suffer from overwhelm or compassion fatigue, all the things that we've been talking about recently on the podcast, then you definitely will want to check it out. Now, secondly, if you're a coach or a helping professional, and if you're listening to this live when it drops at the end of April, 2023, then I want to make sure that you know about my exciting new training that's coming up. It is an advanced training in nervous system resilience. We are going to go deep learning about the nervous system, neuroplasticity, executive function skills, all things that will not only improve your own life, but will totally uplevel your work with the clients. And we're also going to be talking about professional resilience, how you can prevent and overcome compassion fatigue, secondary traumatic stress, and burnout when you're in the business of helping or serving or supporting others. You don't want to miss this. I have a few spots that are still available and the link is also in the show notes. It's leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com slash NSR training. So I was having a conversation with my son the other day. He's a student at Brigham Young University in Utah and he's studying neuroscience and he volunteers for this program called Anatomy Academy, which I went on their website and they say that they are an outreach and research program aimed at combating childhood obesity, promoting healthy living, and encouraging the pursuit of higher education through the teaching of anatomy and basic nutrition. So he goes in and he teaches different lessons to grade five or six classes. And he was saying that he was teaching a class all about breathing, which of course, as he mentioned it, I thought, I haven't done a full episode on breathing yet, so I better get on that. And then I was also thinking, how amazing is it that these kids are learning stuff that many adults don't even know? So he said that he asked the class what techniques, if they had heard of any techniques about breathing. And one boy said he had heard about box breathing, which we will talk about. So Zach asked him to explain it and then asked how he had learned about it. And the little boy said that he had learned about it from the show Limitless. Now, if you work with me already, then you will know that I love the series Limitless. It's on Disney Plus, National Geographic. It's a six-part series with Chris Hemsworth, and it is amazing. Highly, highly recommend it. I kind of make it mandatory for all my clients to watch. Well, the first episode is all about stress. And in it, they teach box breathing. So this is where this child obviously got it from. But he has also 
other episodes like on cold exposure, fasting, strength, memory, and even aging. So I highly recommend it. So this child learned and explained box breathing. And then Zach said that another girl shared the 478 technique, which she had learned, which is really one of my favorite techniques and one that I had taught Zach. So I thought that it was super cool that kids are learning how to breathe properly and to use breathing as a resource for mental health. So today I want to talk all about breathing. Well, not really all about breathing because as I prepare for these episodes, I actually do a lot of research. I take what I already know and do and love, and then I try to do some reading, books, research, and there's just so many things available that you can learn from. And I'm in the midst of reading two different books about breathing, and I realized there is no way to cover everything, but I wanted to share with you some things to get you started on your breathing journey. And I'm actually going to divide all about breathing into two episodes. Today, we're going to talk about the role of breathing and how to breathe and best breathing practices. And then next week, we're going to dive deeper into some specific breathing techniques. But to be clear, and as a little disclaimer, this is not meant to be any form of medical advice. I'm not a medical doctor. This is just information, not specific advice for you. You are unique, and you should really talk to your medical provider before you make any dramatic changes to your breathing and your breathing practices. So let's get started. Breathing is said to be the bridge between our conscious and subconscious. It is the one process in our body that runs without our thinking, and we can also take control of it and change it. So I think that's kind of cool and unique about breathing, unlike other systems in our body that often run in the background, like digestion, but we can't switch and make it a conscious act. Now, apparently we breathe around 15,000 to 25,000 times a day. So thank goodness we don't have to think about it. That's about 12 to 18 times per minute and translates to about seven to eight liters of air per minute. And when we breathe, basically the diaphragm, which is a dome-shaped muscle that separates the abdomen from the chest, it moves down and it allows the lungs to be filled with air. So when we breathe, we do it to bring in oxygen into our body, to deliver that oxygen to the lungs, and then the oxygen is released into the bloodstream and carbon dioxide leaves the bloodstream into the lungs where it's removed by exhalation. So the urge to breathe is primarily triggered by our need to get rid of carbon dioxide, not our need for oxygen. Now let's talk for a second about breathing and something called heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is a measure of the variation in between each heartbeat. In other words, it's a difference in time between one heartbeat and the next. They are closely linked because breathing influences the activity of the autonomic nervous system, which regulates the heart rate and other bodily functions, as we've talked about before. So remember, the autonomic nervous system is composed of different branches, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is responsible for the fight or flight response. And this is what I've referred to in previous episodes as Team Hyper where the parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for the rest and digest. And according to polyvagal theory, which I introduced you to several episodes about, parasympathetic nervous system actually has two branches. One that is dorsal, it comes from behind, and it's really for what I call team hypo. And the other is ventral in the front, which is for safety, that zone of resilience or what I call team resilient. But essentially, when we inhale, the sympathetic nervous system is activated. 
and that results in the increase in heart rate and a decrease in heart rate variability. When we exhale, the parasympathetic nervous system is activated, resulting in a decrease in heart rate and an increase in heart rate variability. So when we experience stress, our autonomic nervous system activates the fight or flight response, which leads to an increase in heart rate and a decrease in heart rate variability. And on the other hand, when we're relaxed and calm, our autonomic nervous system activates the rest and digest response, which leads to a decrease in heart rate and an increase in heart rate variability. Now, having a higher heart rate variability is generally considered a good thing because it indicates that the body is better able to respond to stress and adapt to changing situations. And on the other hand, having a lower heart rate variability may indicate that the body is less able to cope with stress and adapt to changing situations. You can kind of compare heart rate variability to the flexibility of a rubber band. A rubber band that is too tight and inflexible may snap under stress, while a more flexible rubber band is better able to stretch and adapt to changing conditions. So similarly, a person with a higher heart rate variability may be better able to adapt to stress and changing conditions, while a person with a lower heart rate variability may be prone to stress and less able to adapt. Now, when the autonomic nervous system is functioning properly, there's a balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems, which can be observed through heart rate variability. Now, what does all this have to do with breathing? Well, research has shown that slow, deep breathing can increase heart rate variability and activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which can help reduce stress and promote relaxation. So the techniques of slower breathing have been found to be particularly effective in improving heart rate variability and reducing stress in individuals with anxiety and other stress-related conditions. So by using breathing techniques such as slow or deep breathing, individuals can modulate their heart rate variability and promote a state of relaxation and calmness. Now, we will talk more about these techniques next week, but it's just important for you to know Inhale increases your heart rate, exhale decreases your heart rate. And we want to aim to have a high heart rate variability as that is known as a good indicator of our health. You can't tell your heart to beat more slowly, but you can alter your breathing and that can change your heart and calm your mind. So another way to look at breathing with respect to the autonomic nervous system is breathing is actually a reflection of our current physiological state. Now, we breathe differently depending on the state that we're in. And we've talked about states before in previous episodes. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how our thoughts, our stories follow our state. And now I'm sharing that our breathing is also reflective of our state. So think about it for a second. If you are on team hyper, if you're feeling stressed, scared, or anxious, your breathing will likely be faster and more shallow. Your breathing may be different in team hypo as well. So you get a sense of what state you're in if you start by paying attention to your breathing. Now, at the same time, we can actually take control of our breathing to shift our state. If we find ourselves feeling anxious and our breathing picks up, it's getting more shallow, If we take control of it 
and slow our breathing down, extending the exhale, we can help ourselves to get to safety and feel more calm. Or if we're in a hypo state, we can actually do things to activate our breathing to help get you out of the state. And again, we'll get into those techniques specifically next time. But basically, when we breathe in, heart rate speeds up and sympathetic activation occurs. So we rev up. When we breathe out, our heart rate slows down. Exhalation acts to slow the heart rate and down-regulates the sympathetic activation, and we calm down. Now let's talk a little bit about how we should breathe in day-to-day breathing. Now firstly, we do want to try to breathe into the diaphragm as opposed to the chest. So you want to be feeling your belly moving. We want to be breathing a little bit deeper. Secondly, we actually don't want to be breathing too quickly. Thirdly, we probably want to be breathing less than we actually are. They say that we are over-breathers, and by they, I mean the breathing experts. We want to aim to breathe about 10 breaths a minute and allow for little breaks in between these breaths. And lastly, we want to breathe through our nose. There are many benefits to breathing through your nose, just breathing in and out through your nose. Firstly, it actually slows our breathing down in general, and this is due to the extra resistance that's created by a smaller airway. And this resistance to exhalation in nasal breathing helps maintain lung volume, and the resistance results in 10 to 20% greater oxygen uptake in the blood. So breathing in and out of the nose facilitates oxygenation. Now, breathing in and out of the nose actually also helps prevent nasal congestion, which that one may be surprising because when you are feeling like your nose is clogged, the last thing you want to do is breathe in and out of it, but it actually will help you if you're doing that. Thirdly, it warms up and moistures the air before entering the lungs when you are breathing through your nose. And lastly, it helps prevent particles from entering the lungs due to your nose hairs. All right, so that's about the nose. Let's talk about the mouth. What is the deal with mouth breathing? In the book Breath by James Nestor, he actually conducts a number of experiments to explore the benefits of nasal breathing and the negative effects of mouth breathing. Overall, he was trying to see if mouth breathing has a negative impact, and it does. This is what they found. Firstly, there's poor oxygen intake. The nose is designed to filter, warm, and humidify the air we breathe in, which helps us absorb oxygen more efficiently. When we breathe through our mouth, we miss out on these benefits. And as a result, our oxygen intake may be compromised. Secondly, if you're a mouth breather, you may notice dry mouth and throat. Breathing through the mouth can cause the mouth and throat to become dry, which then can lead to bad breath, gum disease, and tooth decay. Thirdly, Impaired immune function can be a consequence. Nose breathing helps to filter out harmful particles and bacteria, which can help to boost your immune system. Now, mouth breathing bypasses this natural filter, and it makes it easier for viruses and other harmful particles to enter your body. Next, you may experience sleep disturbances. Mouth breathing can disrupt our sleep by causing snoring, sleep apnea, and other breathing-related sleep disorders. And this can lead to fatigue and poor concentration and poor memory and other health issues as well. 
And finally, facial development can be impacted. Chronic mouth breathing can affect the development of the face and the jaw. It can lead to a narrow palate, crooked teeth, and other dental problems. So the verdict is in. We need to be breathing through our noses. All right, next, let's talk about using breathing to our benefit. So in addition to breathing being necessary for life, what happens automatically, what about what we talked about earlier, this breathing under conscious control? So practically in your daily life, you may have noticed when you change states, your breathing changes like we already discussed. For example, when you become anxious, breathing is one of the first things that is affected. Your brain has triggered the sympathetic nervous system with fight or flight. Now, we've already mentioned that slowing your breath will trigger the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, both systems cannot work at the same time. So once we start consciously managing our breath, we actually can reverse the stress response. Breathing sends signals to the body that all is well and we can relax now. It slows down your heart rate and lowers your blood pressure, creating sense of calm. It's almost like the brain is thinking, well, if she's stopping to notice and consciously breathe, then she must be safe. Otherwise, she wouldn't have time to do that. Now, with some controlled breathing, you can also rely on your diaphragm instead of your chest, which actually invites your neck and chest muscles to relax, and it engages your abs and a larger amount of oxygen to reach your body's cells and organs. When your body is operating under fight or flight response or that stress response, it releases a surge of hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline that causes your breathing to speed up, increase your pulse and blood pressure, and puts you in a state of hypervigilance. So this controlled breathing or deeper breathing also helps calm and slow down the emotional turbulence in your mind. That's why breath work can really help treat depression and anxiety and PTSD. Now, different types of breathwork can help you reach deeper states of mind. While in different states, you may be able to access buried emotions, grudges, traumas, and ultimately release yourself from the grip and help calm you and focus your mind. And when you're relaxed, you can actually have better access to your cognitive functions. You can access your rational brain, that CEO. So there you have it. There's some information that you can take home and think about in terms of breathing. We want to be breathing through our nose and not our mouth. And we just know that when we are inhaling, it gets us more activated. And when we are exhaling, it gets us more relaxed. Now, next week, we will talk about some different techniques that you can use to practically manage your physiological state, your stress, your anxiety, and your mood. They'll even help your sleep and your energy levels and your memory. So until then, have a great week and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.